Welcome to another episode of Electable. I'm Deb Chubb, and our podcast is sponsored by Indiana Women's Action Movement. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the environmental movement in Indiana. We're very lucky to be joined by Jennifer Christie. She's the president of the board of directors for the new uh, and one and only uh, environmental pack in Indiana. And so, um, so Jennifer, I, I you know, hope you can give us some background. You know, we need to know, you know, why you work so hard to form this pack and why we need this pack. Uh, what is so important about all this? So give us some background, Jennifer, and tell us, tell us why you are doing what you're doing. It's not just me, there's a lot of people involved in this. I wanna encourage anyone who watches this who would like to be involved, please contact us because uh, this is something that um, is statewide and much needed in our state. So Indiana United for Our Future, uh, the acronym INUF can be found on enough.eco. And the reason why we started Indiana's first and only environmental pack is because we want to make sure that the environment is uh, has a play in the electoral process, um, that we have have a say in that. Um, and until now, there wasn't a way to do that. We have fantastic policy organizations in Indiana who are leading the way with respect to um, environmental policy and conservation policy. So we really didn't want to start another organization that was policy oriented. We wanted to start one that would help elect environmental champions to our state house. And we're seeing every day how important those state house races are and how important uh, the votes that are made right here in the General Assembly in Indiana are to our everyday lives. And so we want to make sure that the environment is a top issue as it should be uh, when people consider who they're voting for in the elections. Um, so that's why we started it. It was a much needed gap in our uh, state. Uh, we are statewide, so uh, we particularly are focused on uh, the General Assembly and those elections there. Um, and we are nonpartisan, so uh, we do not uh, endorse a particular party. Uh, we endorse someone uh, based on their environmental issues and their environmental uh, positions and their likelihood to be an environmental champion in the state house. Awesome. And and um, and we know that you have just um, finalized your first round of endorsements for the November election. So we'll be excited to hear about that. And I know you've got it on your uh, on your website uh, and people can find all of the endorsed candidates there, even though there'll be another round, I believe, of endorsements. But um, so we're excited and we'd love to hear about candidates who you are excited about and your organization is happily supporting. Yeah, so there are a lot of elections this year, as you know. Uh, we have a new map that we're working with. And so there are a lot of elections this year. We have a really uh, rigorous process. So we do have an application process. If you have a candidate who is interested in uh, being endorsed by enough, um, you can go to the website enough.eco and there's a form to fill out. Uh, we do have a number of questions that are related to conservation, energy, a, a number of uh, environmental issues, um, uh, making sure that that candidate has a good position on that. But we also follow up with 
an interview. So we will actually reach out to the candidates. In some cases, we have opponents who are all applying uh, for these endorsements. And so we look at all of those questions, um, environmental justice, all of these things, and uh, we, we have a conversation and try to understand uh, what that candidate is about. And so at that point, we then make a decision. Uh, there's a group and you can see our board listed on the ENOUGH website. And if you're interested in, in getting involved or helping to serve on that, we would love to hear from you. And uh, we have some pretty long discussions about um, that race, that candidate, and um, how we can best support them. There are three ways that ENOUGH it supports candidates. The first obvious is through an endorsement. Um, and it's a pretty big deal to be endorsed by Indiana's only environmental political action committee. The people who volunteer on our organization are people who have worked on behalf of the environment for many, many years. And so uh, we have a diverse group of people who really have been advocates for uh, great environmental policy for a long, long time. And so that's a big deal to have the endorsement. But then if your candidate is interested as well, we raise money. So uh, one of the things that we know about campaigns is that it costs money to get your message out there. It costs money to print the flyers, to you know do all the things that candidates must do. And so we make contributions to campaigns. And then the final thing is we round up volunteers to help you because um, if you've been associated with a campaign before, you know, it takes a lot of people to get things done. And so that's another way that enough can help. And so in this first round, we did, we talked with quite a lot of people. And so um, there are a number of people that you're going to see listed in our first round of endorsements, go to enough.eco and those will be up shortly. And uh, I, I'll share just a few of them. We're looking at the Senate and the House uh, in the General Assembly. And um, Two that, that you may be familiar with, we have uh, Senator J.D. Ford, uh, who is receiving our endorsement. Uh, J.D. actually served uh, in the General Assembly as Senator and has an outstanding record on the environment, uh, really has been a leader in that area. And so we're very excited to support him. Another is Penny Githens, who uh, you may be uh, familiar with, and she's running in House District 62. Um, and Penny has also had a long history of working on environmental issues. And so we're super excited uh, to get involved in that race, which could be a really close one. So <laughs> we want to uh, give all the support we can. And there are a number of others as well. We're looking across the state and we really encourage people to get involved because it is quite a lot of work to go through and um, you know have all those conversations and, and do all the research necessary to give a uh, robust endorsement. So tell me, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, what the issues are, you know, what the environmental issues are, you know, that drive you to work this hard <laughs> to really support, um, you know, candidates who can, you know, change the policies in, in Indiana. You know, what are the like, I mean, what are you what are you looking at as the top, you know, top three uh, environmental issues that are just so urgent and um, and really just pivotal uh, in us having a sustainable planet? <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to start back because I think this is something we can all relate to. Look back at a prior legislative session that really fired a lot of people up. 
And that was around uh, the SB 389 bill that was uh, was deregulating Indiana's wetlands. That really was a catalyst, I think, for starting the political action committee. Because what we saw is, although Indiana was at one time, 25% of our state was natural wetlands, and we were down to less than 4% now. And we saw a bill that came through and um, basically wiped out the protection that those would have. The authors of that bill were people who were involved with and funded by the builders associations who would benefit by deregulating wetlands. And so um, this bill, you know, was heard and, and you probably followed it. Uh, we had over a hundred organizations and they were diverse organizations from hunters, fishermen, environmental conservation groups, towns, cities, churches, all saying, do not pass this bill. It is the wrong thing to do. It is not good for Indiana. It's not good for our environment. And there were you know, many, many reasons why. Um, you can read that bill, Google it, uh, or I can give you a link um, and you can read that letter. 100 organizations signed on to this letter. We had people who spoke um, to the General Assembly, wrote to their representatives. And so there was an outcry. And despite that, we saw the bill pass and uh, signed into law despite the outcry. And um, when you look at that and you look where the money came from that fund the predominant authors of that bill, um, you know, it's disheartening. We have not, this is not the first time this has happened, uh, but it's unacceptable. And it's not the way that democracy ought to work. It's not the way that we ought to be taking care of our planet. And especially at a time when, um, we're facing some of the most extreme weather events that we've ever seen. Uh, the reality of climate change is at your door. Um, there is no um, denying that we must take swift and immediate action on this um, and, and make a change. And so to deregulate wetlands that are so critical to holding the water and protecting the wildlife and all of the things that are are at risk right now through climate change, it just doesn't make sense. And so um, that's a little bit of background. Uh, we are, are facing a number of critical issues, uh, climate being one of those top issues. And so, you know, we're looking at um, legislation around energy. Uh, we're looking at legislation around protecting wildlands and wild spaces. Uh, at the moment, uh, scientists are referring to this time period as the beginning of the great extinction, where we're seeing uh, an enormous uh, record number of uh, species um, going extinct due to climate change. Uh, we, we don't have to look far beyond our borders to see what is happening with respect to flooding and drought. Um, and so these are critical things that we must do. Um, in the legislature coming up in the this year, um, and we're, we're really going to be focused on, you know, where is money going to be spent? Uh, we did see at the federal level that we had the Inflation Reduction Act passed. And so uh, with that comes a lot of money that will come to states to be able to combat climate change. We want to see that spent on defeating climate change and solving this problem. Um, we so want to see... Can I back up just a second? Yeah. So just about wetlands. Um, so you and I, you know, we've been at this a long time and we understand this, but, you know, for people who don't understand it, they're like, why do we need to save a swamp? 
You know, what is that about? And there are so many reasons, like you mentioned, but I'd like to tick them off. And, you know, first of all, like you mentioned, when there is a big rain event, where does that water sit um, before it soaks into the ground and recharges the aquifers where people who use wells get their drinking water? Um, that's, you know, as opposed to sitting in your streets, flooding your, flooding your driveways, your streets, the sidewalks, you know, wetlands are you know, where the excess water goes. Uh, and in a, in a, in a hand, it, it handles rainwater because wetlands include plants with deep roots who soak up a lot of water. Um, and so, so that's where, why it can sit there for a long time and while it percolates. And of course, then the, the next obvious thing is that the water quality that's impacted by wetlands, that's what filters water, um, you know, before it goes into the aquifer. And ultimately, you know, also, you know, before it goes out into, you know, lake water, um, when we, you're starting to talk about climate change and all of that. And, you know, I've known for many years um, that, you know, what's going to happen is that there will be place that, places that are no longer habitable, um, you know, along the ocean coastlines in areas that are just drier and uh, hotter than, than ever, where people really can't live there anymore. Um, so what we have to remember is that, those people will go somewhere <laughs> and here is where they will go <laughs> because you know we are we have this great um, Lake Michigan water resource and we have you know we have some uh, habitable land and so um, and so of course there is this tension between you know well building houses to accommodate people uh, versus protecting uh, the sustainability of the land we have. And, um, and I know that, you know, one of the um, justifications for 389, uh, you know, that is to, you know, not protect wetlands um, from the builders was that uh, they said, well, this will make the housing costs uh, go down. So this, and, but there's no, you know, there's no guarantee that that's actually going to happen. They'll, you know, they'll build whatever and they'll, you know, they'll charge what the market rate is. Um, you know, it doesn't mean, yeah. There's no guarantee that because you can, you know, destroy a wetland, that you can build housing that is less expensive. So anyway, so I just like to get all that out there. I mean, so people really understand why this, you know, why you are so passionate, why, you know, this is so important. Um, but yes, and so, but then I do also want to talk about, you know, the big federal bills that are coming in. Um, you know, there is an infrastructure bill um, that, you know, will bring all kinds of money, $9 billion is the figure I'd heard uh, to the state of Indiana. And um, and that money will get spent, as you say, and um, and it is our job to make sure that that money gets spent appropriately, and 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 it can be used for green infrastructure. So maybe you could elaborate a little bit on you know green infrastructure, you know the projects that you'd love to see happen in Indiana with that infrastructure bill money. You have some. the effects, but we've been lucky, I would say. And if you look at the uh, Purdue report that came out several months ago, the projection is that Indiana will be hotter 
and wetter. Um, but in many cases, we're going to fare pretty well in the short term, at least. And so people will be moving here. And so in order to accommodate that, of course, we want to build smart um, and we want to be able to consider climate and the movement of people. But we also need to protect the environment that we do have because our first defense against climate change is our environment, is having healthy forests, uh, having healthy wetlands. Um, all of those things, of course, are interconnected and they're right there in your backyard and they are your first defense to uh, the effects of climate change. And so, yeah, we've got to be much smarter about these things. And it, it's not uh, about just looking at the short-term gain that uh, one particular party may or may not have. It's about looking at the long-term because for the most part, the effects of climate that we have already caused are going to be here for some time. Um, it takes about a hundred years for carbon to come out of the atmosphere to see those, that reduction. And so that's why there is such a, um, an importance on going to the green energy quickly because we've got to stop dumping fossil fuels and burning them and uh, putting the uh, greenhouse gases into our atmosphere because they're very perpetual molecules. Right. So, uh, so some of those things, like to your point, investing in clean energy and, and energy that is going to um, reduce fossil fuel uh, consumption, energy that is going to uh, help us have an infrastructure that is lasting. Um, one of the things um, that I was happy to see was the, the work that uh, many of our young Hoosiers were doing with Senator Ron Alting and uh, around getting a, a climate task force to really make excellent recommendations about how we move in the right direction. And so I, I love that this issue of energy and climate is really one that is uh, it should and is nonpartisan, but we're seeing leadership from both of the main parties um, on this. I'm very happy to see that. Uh, so yeah, that's some of the things we want to see is investment in clean energy. I think that is the top uh, thing, right? <laughs> With right. Well, and so, this. Yeah. When I've talked about um, climate change, there's always the, you know, the two things. There's the mitigation, which means reducing, uh, you know, carbon emissions. Uh, and then adaptation, which means, you know, getting ready for the impact that is coming uh, from climate change that we can't stop. So, right. so green infrastructure can really address both of those, right? So it can yes. help um, uh, municipalities to separate storm uh, sewers from their septic or their sewers, their sewage sewers. So that, yeah. um, so that they're not, so that when we have a big rain event, it's not overflowing the regular sewage lines uh, that will then overflow and just dump raw sewage into waterways. Um, you know, that's an important, and but that, and it's expensive. It's very expensive. Yeah. So that's, yeah. you know, that's a project that is just ripe for, you know, the usage of those kinds of big infrastructure dollars that are coming through. And of course, they will be creating great jobs. It's federal dollars, so there's the you know federal prevailing wage requirement, uh, which means you know those will be uh, jobs that pay good wages, union jobs uh, for local people that will create a better economy in the local level as well. So um, yeah, so that's where um, you know we want to see those monies going. Um, so um, so that and that's the infrastructure bill. Tell us what you know, and I know it's brand new um, on the um, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Um, what do you know about that? I know it's it's brand new and, and we're all still trying to figure out exactly what we're going to get out of that. 
kind of same thing. There is money that will go toward um, addressing climate impacts. And so states will have money, federal dollars with respect to these things. And infrastructure is a huge component of that. And I consider energy and infrastructure uh, a component. Uh, we, we need to look at how we're building houses. We need to look at how we're energizing our communities and where we're getting that energy from. And to your point, we need to be looking at some of those long time issues like combined sewer overflows, things like that, um, that are really impacting our water quality and our air quality. And all these things will just be compounded uh, by climate change. And so um, the purpose of those dollars is to bring us quickly to carbon neutrality and to help us to uh, put people to work and um, do the right thing with respect to how we build and maintain our, our cities, towns, and our rural areas as well. Because uh, so these I'll issues, of course, are, are... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I'll give you just one local crazy example where I live, um, uh, not right where I live, but near me on the lakefront, on Lake Michigan's shoreline, there are many fancy pants houses out there who had septic um, you know, systems uh, and their septic field was in the sand in front of their houses. Well, then, as you know, we saw this very rapid um, lake level increase over the last several years. So many of those people, their septic field is gone. It's under the water now. And so they have um, septic tanks that they're required to get um, pumped out every week. Um, and so wow. this is a, this is a case, of course, where all right, maybe we should um, install sewers, <laughs> you know, so that um, you know septic waste goes into the sewer and off to the um, water treatment plant, uh, the sanitary district um, near us. Wow. But that has been difficult, um, mostly because it's expensive. And yes, um, yes. even though it is a, you know, the houses are fancy pants, um, nobody wants to pay um, to get that done. So, uh, so there's all kinds of controversy. So this again is a, is, a, is a situation that is ripe for this kind of federal funding support. Uh, if right. the federal funding can come in and, and assist with that kind of a, a sewer uh, installation and in other areas, other areas where septics, yes. uh, septic tanks are failing um, or septics are too near uh, drinking water. Um, so, uh, the, and this is going to, you know, become more and more a problem, particularly along coastlines, um, yes, but also yes. along, you know, river banks. Um, you know, same thing. So, so anyway, I just try to give you a good example of like this is actually how this looks on the ground. Yes. <laughs> You're seeing the water level rise in eastern Kentucky, where we saw all the flooding that was a direct result of climate. And they've had really had a lot of climate catastrophes with respect to their area. Tornadoes, I think we had tornadoes, what, in December? Was it, it was the first time ever. Yeah, and yeah. so the same region being hit just over and over again. But because um, of all of the flooding that happened, one of the things that happened was a lot of the infrastructure, the sewer infrastructure, of course, energy infrastructure, all of that uh, was just ripped uh, when the water and the logs came through. Uh, there was, uh, were a lot of logs from the logging industry that just acted, you know, as weapons. <laughs> that infrastructure it just ripped a lot of that. So there's still people now, right now in eastern Kentucky, who do not have clean drinking water just from that one climate event. And so when we think about uh, 
climate catastrophe is, you know, we have to think ahead because if we don't, we're going to have to rebuild. And so why not build to a sustainable way? Um, and, and part of that is also protecting our natural world because that really is our first defense and our responsibility for our future generations to make sure that we do protect our forests who absorb a tremendous amount of water and our wetlands as well who store a lot of water as well. Um, it, it's, it's the morally right thing to do, uh, but it's also the prudent and um, the common sense thing to do as well. So we've got to have a real mind shift. Uh, the way that building has happened, it just, it needs to change. It needs to be more forward thinking. Right. So um, so then to kind of bring, a, bring us full circle, um, like we said earlier, all this money that's coming in through, you know, ARPA, the infrastructure bill, and then now the uh, Inflation Reduction Act um, is gonna go through the state government. So, so yeah. that's why we need to focus on the state legislature um, and the state administration to make sure that that money goes to good projects. Um, we did see um, ARPA money that was, you know, transformed by our Republican governor into what he called ready grants. Um, it, you know, it was uh, 500 million that was spread out, but that was actually federal dollars. And that money went to a lot of projects and, and that money was really designed to just be a little bit of a boost for, you know, a project. I, I couldn't, it couldn't um, support more than 20% of a project. So we saw a lot of that and that's great. Those are great um, projects, um, but they're not necessarily environmentally focused. Um, so that's what we need to make sure is happening in any of this new money that comes to the state um, and gets spent through our uh, state administration. So what kind of project um, uh, Jennifer, and I know this is a, you know, this is a big question too. What kind of projects do you think that, um, you know, communities should be pushing for in their local areas? Well, we really want to encourage people to reach out to their state legislators and also get involved by voting in these elections and uh, volunteering for some of the candidates that we know are going to do a good job. Uh, some of the things that we want to look for is really taking ourselves in a tremendous step forward in eliminating fossil fuel use. Um, we really need to go to energy sources that are going to eliminate that kind of pollution. Because if the environment isn't top on your list right now, it will be. Because uh, when you are in a climate catastrophe, um, you're going to be, you know, we don't want to be there. We really don't. And so we need to be thinking ahead as these things come. So some of the things, you know, that I just wrote down that are top priorities are, of course, protecting those wild spaces. Those are a, a top protection for climate catastrophes. And also, Indiana is a beautiful state. We have tremendous natural uh, diversity. We have tremendous um, forests and wetlands and, and wonderful places uh, here that we need to protect for future generations. We need to see any of that money and state surpluses really go toward that infrastructure. One area that um, I know I know several people who are really advocating for is looking at um, solarizing schools and giving schools that freedom, the energy freedom that uh, you know eliminates that um, that huge utility bill. Can you imagine the utility bill that a an electric bill alone that a school has? So imagine the money you would free up for taxpayers for schools to be able to give them energy independence like that. So really uh, eliminating that carbon 
through that way. We'll probably need to have more infrastructure around um, electric cars at some point because I know there'll be incentives for people to buy electric cars over the coming years and we need some better infrastructure for people to be able to charge those. Um, that would be a really important thing. And to properly fund um, our agencies to focus on actual conservation uh, so that they're able to do their jobs in helping um, protect the environment as well. Um, you know, really, there's a long list. Uh, I'd love to see that climate task force quickly act and go forward. Um, these are some of the things that I know I've talked about with um, members of our PAC. There are many uh, of those. And so I encourage you to um, get engaged. And if you have ideas, this is the time to think outside of the box, so, to, so we say, right, and start getting really innovative about how we eliminate fossil fuels from uh, Indiana and actually become a leader. Wouldn't it be wonderful for Indiana to be a leader in uh, eliminating fossil fuels and helping us reach our goal for carbon neutrality as a nation. Uh, that would be really fantastic to see Indiana be a leader in that. That is awesome. And, you know, I have to do a shout out because I sit on a school board and I'm very proud of our school corporation who has installed um, eight or nine solar arrays. And we, um, you know, we generate our own power through those solar panels. I think we, I think something like, I think 95% um, of our of energy is comes from those solar panels. So yeah, so <laughs> yeah. very exciting. And we were able to get in uh, on the on the net metering program, you know, at the the last smidge before the state legislature um, took away some of the incentives. So we're very lucky. So we're allowed to sell back excess um, energy to the utility um, at you know at a regular market rate. Um, and so and that made this feasible, financially feasible for our school corporation. So, um, you know, I mean, I suppose an alternative to that is it, you know, if we can't, can, you know, if we can't keep those incentives that allow people to sell back uh, excess energy to the utility and thereby recoup um, their installment, um, their, well, I should say installation uh, costs, um, then, you know, let's hope that some of this um, infrastructure bill money or, um, or the um, Inflation Reduction Act money um, can really go directly to the cost of installation of solar panels for schools. Um, many, many school corporations like ours had kind of excess land, excess property um, that they've been sitting on for you know years and don't really have much to do with. Um, right. And so, uh, and so this is a really good use of that. And then of course, there's also you know a very creative ways to install solar arrays, like on top of buildings or. Uh, creating carports with the um, with the solar panels on top, which I think is the best idea. Um, but it is it is more expensive. But um, but those are really great alternatives. I mean, imagine if you could have these kind of uh, these solar panels, like creating kind of carports on parking lots that would keep yeah. parking lots cooler for one thing because they're in the shade, um, you know, and they would um, of course be generating energy and and perhaps could have something underneath that um, manages um, rainwater better. So yeah. I mean, you know, in a perfect world, maybe I don't know. But I mean, the, the legislation matters, and your vote matters because it wasn't too long ago that that net metering uh, was taken away from Hoosiers, and so we want to have 
we want to have policies that are consumer friendly and environmentally friendly and not always leaning in the favor of the utility companies. Um, the utility companies, of course, play a role in helping to solve the climate crisis because that's where our infrastructure is right now. But we need to move together in a way that enables people to um, eliminate fossil fuels uh, and allows us to be a leader in solving the climate crisis and also considers that um, you know, this idea of energy freedom, you know, the, the fact that you can sell that energy back, um, who says that the utilities should have a monopoly on that? And so we are looking at, you know, that is a big portion of it. How do you vote with respect to energy and, um, and consumers? Right. And so you mentioned this task force, and I recall that in the last session, um, Senator Alting um, introduced the bill to create this task force. Uh, and as far as I know, that it didn't happen, did it? No, no, but it would so. be great to see something like that move forward. He had a lot of uh, support for that, and I particularly liked the engagement with our young people who will soon be our leaders in our state. Uh, that's very important uh, because uh, we have, you know, situations where our young people are really going to have the, the brunt of the effects of climate. And so they ought to have a say. And I really liked how they were engaged. In fact, our board in Enough, uh, we have uh, several members who are young. And uh, that is because we want to make sure that uh, the voices of the generations that will be making important decisions during the, the peak times of, of climate catastrophe are going to be heard and have uh, a say in the matter. Right. And, you know, yes. And we should do a shout out to the Confront the Climate Crisis group That's there right. in, um, in Lafayette. Um, what a great bunch of kids. And, you know, and and really, I mean, they're young, but super like savvy about legislation yes. and and the legislative process. I was so impressed with that group. Uh, they know yes. more about how to get bills passed than, you know, many adults. And and um, and I'm sure it's. Um, Sad that uh, they did not get their their work accomplished, um, but they 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 remain very positive and um, and looking forward uh, and you know and confident that they are going to uh, get some help. And it was uh, and yes. it was terrific that Senator Alting, a Republican, um, was uh, was helping them and supporting them. Um, so we need more Republicans yes. to to support yes, this kind and, of uh, initiative. To your point, that's one of the I would. You know, as the chair of the political action committee, I would like to invite all Republicans to become champions for the environment, uh, become champions for our wild places, become champions for clean energy. I invite you to have that, uh, to take that on with, and, and to let go of the partisan uh, labels for both uh, predominant parties, because these are issues that we are all going to have to solve together. Um, they're really, it doesn't get more basic than having a, a future. <laughs> I mean, it really, it's a basic need that we need to have. And so these are critical, timely issues that require um, major and swift action. Um, we just don't have time for grandstanding or political politicization. Um, politicization of these issues because they're really, uh, they're so pressing that we need to come to the table, roll up our sleeves and get some things done. 
Right. And so uh, you have worked all this time on all of these issues uh, from a project basis or issue basis. And um, and now um, you've come to the conclusion that uh, it's going to take a change in the legislature um, to make this happen. And uh, legislators need to get on board. And uh, and, you know, it's clear that you are correct that that, uh, you know, that the current legislature is not focused adequately on the environmental sustainability in this state. And so so and it makes perfect sense that the you know that the next step is to make sure that we are getting elected um, legislators who will support um, green infrastructure and uh, sustainability and and as you say, uh, coming to the table, rolling up their sleeves and getting to work on how to address climate change. So, um, so this is um, what you're doing is so important, and um, and I think you know you're doing such a great job. And I was actually I went through your process of endorsement when I was running, and it was a very thorough process. Um, and I was just very very proud to you know have been endorsed by your organization. Um, that's just you know it was really very um, very much of an honor for me. So um, because you get for your decades on behalf of the environment in Indiana. Um, that work is, you know, it's some of the most heartbreaking work that you can do is environmental work. <laughs> and it's heartbreaking because um, there have been many losses and continue to be many losses, but it's such um, an important issue. Um, it goes to the heart of our being, uh, of just being human on this planet and our connection to where we live, that uh, it's the moral thing to do. And so we soldier on uh, when it comes to these issues. So thank you for doing that and running. And I want to encourage people to get up and run on these issues because, you know, we want you to win. We'll support you and, and do everything we can to help you get your campaign to be successful. But even if you don't win, you're going to change the conversation, and we can't stop talking about these important issues. Right, and it is unfortunate we have in Indiana too many uh, Republicans who are up for election with no opposition, um, and that allows you know legislators to be lazy uh, and and to you know kind of avoid this conversation that we need to have. So um, you're right; more people need to run. We need to get people out there. And um, we worked really hard on it this year, but um, you know, still way too many unopposed um, seats out there. Uh, just great. Yeah, yeah, we really need to do better in that way. And it's hard. Um, I certainly understand it's hard. You know, uh, districts are gerrymandered. People feel like there's no point. You can't win. Um, you know, but you know, but not having anyone on the ballot, just like you said, it doesn't bring the conversation around. You know, no one's even talking about it then. So if you're running just to just to um, you know increase the caliber of the conversation, then that is enough. That is enough. That is enough of a reason uh, to run because these issues are so important and um, and otherwise just get so ignored. So right. uh, so that is so important. Okay. Any other um, any yeah. other projects that? <laughs> oh, I'll think. But any other projects that um, you would uh, like to talk about that you guys are working on? You know, uh, we generally are not a policy organization. We really are focused on the electoral process. So the main thing that I, because we have great policy organizations that we do 
look at what's being put out by all of these great organizations in Indiana because um, the science is clear on all of these issues. And so that is helpful in informing uh, our decisions. But what I really want to ask people to do is to get involved. So we're in this electoral process. We're making this round of endorsements. We're making contributions. We need several things. We need lots of things. We need volunteers. Okay. So for these candidates that are willing to go out there and champion environmental causes and be a champion in the state house, we need to get out there and suit up and show up for them. And so if you'd like to volunteer, um, you can contact inuf.eco. Um, just go on our website. You can can send a message and we can connect you with a candidate. Uh, we'll be sponsoring some of those action days where we get volunteers together to go out and knock doors or make phone calls or participate in an action day that that campaign is already holding. We can get you involved and every bit helps for that. We also need money. Um, and so that's always something you hear with regard to campaigns, but it's the purpose of a political action committee is to help fund the necessary work to get the message out for these great candidates. It costs money to do the printing. It costs money to do the events. It costs money to run a campaign, to hire staff. And so by pooling all of our resources together, you know, every dollar counts, chip in a little bit. When you do some, I do some, and your neighbor does some, before you know it, you've got something really good that you can pull together and help a really good campaign. So please donate, go to inuf.eco, make a donation. It is not tax deductible <laughs> because we are a political action committee, but it is a good thing to do if you care about the future of Indiana and frankly, our planet. Um, because this is, we're fighting for the most fundamental uh, things we could fight for. And so uh, please get involved. Uh, we're always looking for volunteers, or if you'd even like to serve on our committees, we would love that too. We always need help. It's a statewide organization, and there are a lot of elections going on right now. So we, we can use all the help we can get, and I encourage you to get involved. Awesome. All right. Well, that's great. And so, yep. Yeah, so we're out of time, but thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on and uh, talking about this. Uh, this is such important work, and uh, and I'm just I'm just so happy that that you're doing this. Uh, it's crazy that we don't ha have not had a, an environmental pack all, all this time. It just seems seems bizarre. I mean, in all the work that I've done and you've done uh, on environmental issues, all the you know over the years, it just it's it has all, and it is all, and frankly, um, that is one of the reasons that I don't do a lot of that anymore because I really realize that we must be focusing on the legislature. We must be focusing yeah. on getting good people elected, uh, and yeah. that it has to. Nothing will change until we do that. So, right. That's so right. Anyway, yep. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you, Deb. Always great to chat with you. And um, and then uh, so people can go to your website, inuf.eco, and, mm -hmm. and see the uh, new batch of um, endorsed candidates. Um, and, Those and are not up there yet, but they will be oh. up there soon. So okay. at any okay. moment now, they will be up there. <laughs> yes. Okay, good, good. And then, uh, and then once they're up there, people can connect with those candidates and connect with you and learn how to help get those candidates elected. So right. this is what we need to do. Um, you know, that just, uh, just, yeah, we just, this is, this is really the end. So, so, all right. Well, thanks again, Jennifer. And uh, hopefully we'll connect again soon. Thank you, Deb.